Hello, and welcome to the How Fitting podcast, where you get to hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. So today I'm joined by Emily Harris of Mrs. Emily. So Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Allison. Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I, my name is Emily Harris and for the past, oh, since high school, so many years, um, I have been following just this thing in my heart that is fashion. I just love it. I breathe it. I went to school for fashion design and that took me to New York for a job. And I stayed there for most of my twenties, moved back to Illinois, um, on my 30th birthday. And, uh, 10 years ago, I started a small business with the intention that it would grow slowly, uh, over time and allow me to stay at home with my kids. Nice. Yeah, so we, I just celebrated 10 years of business this year, and um, it's been a wild ride to have your, yeah, 10th year of business during COVID and all that, but. Yeah, yeah, and congratulations, that's a big anniversary. Thank you so much. So, yeah, you mentioned you started it um, because you wanted to, you know, be able to have, like, a lifestyle where you could stay home with your kids, but um, what made you decide to start a fashion brand to do that? I know. Um, So, I was, uh, fashion design is what I've always wanted to do, and I was constantly applying to jobs in New York and learning a lot about the industry and the process, a lot about how little uh, hands-on design work you do as a designer, Mm -hmm. and um, also just the hours and the stress of the industry and the jobs that I was finding. On top of that, I really had a heart to design for the Midwest because I grew up in Illinois and we just didn't have a lot of fashion. So I, my dream job when I first moved to New York was to work for Macy's and be a Mm -hmm. designer of one of their independent labels. Um, So Style and Company, Inc., there are some other ones. And in that way, be able to design for the Midwest. So several years in and I just realized that this was not going to work. I had actually been able to go through the interview process at Macy's and and so close to my dream job. Um, But in the process just learned like, oh, this is so far away from what I'm interested in. So they would just take, you know, other styles, like you go to a store and you just get other shirts and then you'd bring them in so that you could just knock them off basically. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't really what I was interested in. Um, So also, I think in my heart was growing this desire or this understanding that fashion is more important than we understand it to be. And I don't think I knew exactly why then. I think I'm still coming to that conclusion now after 10 years. Um, But that combined with my desire for work-life balance is what made starting a company make sense. Because honestly, once you have a kid, you've got to make a decent amount of money to put your kid in childcare. Otherwise you should just stay home. So it was almost like obvious financial decision as well, because I, all of a sudden I was like, well, I could stay at my fashion job or um, not lose money and stay at (laughs) home with my daughter. So that's how it kind of all started. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes total sense. Um, Because yeah, it's fashion industry, especially I, I feel like on, you know, LA or New York, it's, very competitive and very high stress and (laughs) doesn't really give that work-life balance um, that you'd really want. So I saw on your site that you talk about how you design your skirts to allow women to transition between their many roles. And then you mentioned your roles as wife, mother, and entrepreneur. So I'm curious, how does fashion play a part in each of those roles for you? Well, I think that my, what I, the product that I sell right now, which is elastic waist skirts is really a perfect um, way to describe that um, because I need to be able to move and bend and schlep and um, sit crisscross applesauce on the floor while doing math flashcards. Then I need to be able to um, cook dinner. I need to be able to be on my feet all day, uh, pattern making and uh, sewing. So I just need to be able to, have comfortable functional clothing, but because I understand like the need for confidence in our roles, I understand that like I I need to look and feel beautiful at the same time. So my product tries to 
bring all those together. Like how can we be dressing in a way that actually equips us for our jobs so that we do our jobs better and we enjoy them more? And how can we be dressing in a way that makes us feel more like ourselves so that when we are having bad days, when we're not feeling confident, our clothes actually bring out of us a better version of ourselves. So my skirts are um, all different shapes, sizes, uh, lengths. I do a split skirt and a regular skirt. A lot of them have pockets, but all of them have elastic waistbands. I do them in all different fabrics. And the point of all of it is just like you have your unique personality. So how can we take this skirt that functions really well and adapt it to your lifestyle in a way that's going to be equipping you for your jobs really well? Yeah, that's so cool. Cause, and I imagine they're fairly comfortable too. Cause it's, you yeah, know, they're you so know. comfortable and washable and wrinkleable. And yeah, I'm wearing the same one. I've been wearing this one since Sunday. So I just keep nice. wearing it, you know, and on Sunday I wore it with like my pointy toe cute mules. And then yesterday I wore them with my uh, Air Jordans. And then today I'm wearing them with my Spanx leggings and a turtleneck and a fat belt. So there's just so much you can do with them uh, stylistically, which is really helpful because then you can buy one really high quality piece and stretch it through different styles, which means different lifestyles as well. Mm -hmm. that, that's really cool. Especially now it's like layering, it's layering time of year, fall, yeah, and <laughs> I <love laughs> need to be able to style it different ways because it's cold. I, it I find cold. like sometimes skirts are cold, so I yep. do want to wear like leggings yep. or tights underneath them. Yeah, so I'm always on Instagram showing different ways that I wear my skirts. And so leggings is, I'm really big on the Spanx faux leather leggings wagon. So I've got five pairs of those. And that's pretty much my uniform in the winter is those leggings, any skirt, and then you just change up the boots and the shirt. And you've got all these different looks, but you're comfortable and you can move and, and your clothes are fitting you properly and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm curious about kind of the process of your design and, and development of, of these skirts and the styles. Like what, what does your process look like? And um, what is the, what does the process look like of, of making these? Sure. So I have made a lot of different things over the past 10 years, but at the point where I moved back home to Illinois, which was now five years ago, I was really discouraged like deeply discouraged with um, how slow the business was growing and how little enjoyment I was finding out of what I was doing. And so for a while, I actually didn't sew anything. And I was just making hats and t-shirts and I was just trying to find my bearings um, inside, like <laughs> because our move home from New York was really quickly. So I was trying to figure out like, what does that mean for who I am? I had some identity um, wrapped up in where I lived and what I was doing and what I was trying to do. So eventually, two years after I moved home, I worked up the guts basically to get back to pattern making and sewing. And so what I'm making now is so different than what I was making before. Now I am really interested in making garments that can fit a lot of different body types. And so I'm really simplifying my patterns. And then over a longer period of time, making um, tweaks to the fit that will create skirts that fit many different body types. So my initial skirts that I designed had a, a two inch elastic waistband and it was a paper bag waist, which means there's almost like a ruffle on top of the elastic. Mm -hmm. And then the skirt was just a, a full straight skirt with pockets and you could get it as a split skirt or as a regular skirt so you could get it as pants essentially like shorts or you could get it as mm -hmm. a skirt and from there that's been um two and a half years ago now so from there I've just been trying those styles on women um every size every shape every height playing with the hem length playing with how it's fitting around the waist um playing with the the crotch and the legs and all of this and then coming up with derivatives of that pattern that work better and that fit really well. And as I move through different fabric types, I'm changing the pattern to allow for different fabric thicknesses and how fabrics are um, falling. And, and uh, so there's a lot of just slow paced troubleshooting that is developing a really uh, product with a lot of depth. And I think that uh, I'm, really, I'm really proud of that, even though I'm also self-conscious of that, because I think in me, there's this fear that a simple pattern is a bad pattern. 
<laughs> which what I'm basically doing is trying to make the most simple patterns I can, but I, in that I'm finding that women are able to adapt them better to their lifestyles and to their body types. Yeah, no, I mean, I think simple is almost harder to do because it looks effortless, but it's yeah. not like there's Absolutely. so much that goes into making it look like you didn't try. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. I just did um, a woman's skirt who I did a skirt for her two years ago. And so this week I was making a skirt for her that was, should have been identical, but the pattern was totally different because of all that I've learned since I made that first skirt about mm -hmm. her body shape and about my patterns in general. And so I totally redrafted it and she just got it yesterday. I was a nervous mess. I was like, <laughs> let me know how it works. Cause I think it's going to be awesome, but there is always that option of total failure. We all know it so well, so. Mm -hmm. um, but she was so excited and she, uh, she loved the fit of it. And, and she said, well, what did you do differently for the pattern? And I was like, I would have to write you a novel. Um, it was like these simple things that are also very difficult to explain, but I, it's beautiful. I love the process, but it is mind bending and <laughs> yeah. And I think that's how, so, I mean, that, that's exactly kind of the process that I go through with my clients doing patterns and development. Like it takes those, you know, multiple fittings and multiple samples and tweaking it here. And then, you know, all the kind of research, not on client work, but just on like making clothes for myself yes, that I'm doing right. of like, okay, I've got this pants, you know, jeans pattern, which like, I mean, who doesn't have trouble finding jeans that fit, right? Right. And so it's like tweaking it, like it took me several years of like making, making a pair of pants, wearing it around for a while and being like, it's not quite yeah. right, but I don't know what it is until yeah. I like wear it and see how it moves as yeah. I continue wearing it. Cause like, even just like standing there during a fitting. I know it's thing, totally different than it's totally different than when of, you're wearing yeah. it around. You're like, why is it like, you know, creeping know. up this way or shifting well, or for a while, I, um, I really was scared of giving women like <laughs> wedgies. <laughs> so I would drop, mm -hmm. I would drop the crotches in my skirts, which worked super well, except for women, um, whose thighs would pull it up in between. And then I was essentially like the skirt was not functioning properly. So I had to pull the crotch back up and make sure that it was fitting in, in a different way. So, but I only knew that because I stepped out and made this skirt and tried it on all these women and and so I had these women who were giving me this feedback it was super helpful, but uh, yeah, super hard process. Yeah, yeah. And especially trying to make it fit different body types, like that's not an easy thing to do. So yes, it takes a lot of yeah. development and tweaking, so. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. And I'm so um, aware of how our confidence is tied to what we're putting on our bodies. And the second you put on an ill-fitting, whatever it is, you feel worse about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so just, uh, I just feel that pressure. That pressure is real. Like I don't ever want a woman to put something on and feel worse about themselves because, you know, because it's a fit issue. Um, even though that's just part of the process, part of finding clothes is finding clothes that don't work. But um, I definitely do just like carry that weight of responsibility of um, finding the right skirt for the right woman, um, mm -hmm. it, whatever their size and whatever their shape. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I've seen on your social media, and I think on your site as well, that you talk about debunking the fashion myth. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what is the myth that you're just debunking or are there several? Yeah, I think it's really large and I think I'm still defining it. I, I came up with that quippy hashtag uh, four years ago. And um, the more I talk about it, the more I think, oh my goodness, wow, I didn't, I didn't even know like how we're kind of being duped by the system. But so now, you know, I challenge traditional fashion culture um, and encourage women to kind of protect like the truest version of themselves and, and to discover it through what they're putting on their bodies. And so I want to talk about, I'm, I'm not, I'm not 100% slow fashion, um, but I do have a lot of the same values because I think that when we construct wardrobes over a longer period of time, that they're better because they're constructed like more thoughtfully and more responsibly. And in that way, we can dress more appropriately for our roles. Uh, so, you know, I'm, and I, I also talk about when we work through image insecurities about the things that we're wearing, it's a method of facing larger self-esteem issues. So a lot of my social media is talking about my, um, doubts 
about building my business, like things that are going wrong or things that are difficult. Just this week, I shared that to get from 6,000 followers on Instagram to 7,000 followers took three literal years, which means because I was posting every day in those three years, it averages one follower per social media post. Like, and that is just, you know, the depths of the (laughs) doubt that I have faced in those three years watching my Instagram account just have stagnant or negative growth, that's been really, really hard. But if I can talk about it, then I'm, you know, I'm working through, I'm facing that and I'm kind of better for working through it. So I'm doing that um, on my social media through the lens of fashion. I think any woman can do that in their lives. And I think there are lots of issues that we think have nothing to do with fashion, but fashion is a way when we get dressed in the morning, we show up. So fashion is a way of showing up every day. And once we equip ourselves properly, we're able to face the rest of our day. So fashion is like the first way that we prepare ourselves. And it's it's a way of ensuring that we show up for the more important and the more difficult things of parenting, career, um, having relationships, ha- following dreams, starting businesses, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it is such a big thing in terms of like, the, and, and that's kind of, the theme of this whole podcast is that, you know, making clothes that fit our lives and our values and our bodies um, is, is so much more important and meaningful than just like clothes and fashion yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the fads. And so like hearing all those stories, it's um, very inspiring, I think. Yeah, I think it's it's the stuff that we all want to hear and we don't even know it. So when we hear someone else having fit issues or not, like having us even as simple as like having a sock drawer that's just dumb, you know, every day you put on a pair of socks, it's like weird and lumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, so even, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about like, how do we do this? Okay, this is my method of having like a sock drawer that when you open it in the morning, the first thing that you're feeling during your day is not just like, you know same Mm -hmm. same with a well-fitting pair of jeans like buy a pair of jeans take them to a tailor work on them a little while so you're getting jeans that fit you so that when you put them on in the morning you don't have the feeling that you're wearing someone else's pants and then as you're moving throughout your day you're not constantly adjusting them because each time you do even subconsciously there's that thought of like I am weird my body must be weird because my pants don't fit right but it's the pants it's not you it's just It's just Mm -hmm. that we have to be super intentional um, about facing a lot of those lies that are kind of just thrown at us um, by clothing, just because of how the industry is, you know, because we're using, everybody uses the same set proportions when they make their clothes, which means if you are not those proportions, you're never going to be able to find clothes that fit, um, Mm -hmm. regardless of the brand. Like you're always going to have to go to a tailor or buy, yeah, just buy things a, a different way. Yeah, yeah. So in your business, like as you, as you've been working on this over the years and tweaking your patterns um, and changing even what you're offering, like what has been the core values or kind of the guide rails that have, you know, as you've evolved as a business, like what are you growing towards? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. Um, I, in the past two years, have really had this vision for a brick and mortar location that would house my pattern making and the clothing being made on premise, like just in the store, but it would also have consignment and it would also have a tailor on premises, which means that whatever your budget, you would be able to find something that fit you. So uh, if you just have $20, you can come in and shop consignment. You can also bring in your clothes and be trading them for value. Uh, I mean, for um, credit and then be shopping in the shop. Um, So if you find a pair of pants in the consignment, you the tailor on premises would be able to fit them to you. So it would be educational because women would be learning about their body types and how to find Mm -hmm. clothes that fit well. At the same time, it would have my original designs being, you know, made on premises. So you could go, you know, your budget could be like, I want a custom skirt for $300 or I want a handmade skirt for 125 or I've got $15 and I just need a cute thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I would really love to make it look just like a Madison Avenue salon, like bright and airy and white. And I just want the experience to be like that women feel like they're the special stuff when they come there. Like that, that is what I want. So I think the, the goal at this point in my business is to, 
you know, look towards that. I think it's probably a little while away. Let's just be honest, but <laughs> I spent a year in a retail location in St. Louis. Actually, I had to, to leave just because of COVID and it didn't make sense for me to stay financially, but it was such good uh, data for me to be kind of thinking about like, oh, what worked? What didn't work? What can I do mm-hmm. differently? Um, and I really loved the events there because I got to meet women and watch them interact with my clothing and just talk about totally unrelated uh, things about life, but it was just because we were there and it was because of fashion. And I thought that was beautiful and I want to recreate that. Yeah. Yeah. We're in St. Louis. I'm actually in, in St. Yeah. Louis. So. <laughs> um, I was at um, RF Home in Kirkwood. Okay, cool. Yeah. So she's like a I think there are 40 local makers, um, but I was the only handmade women's clothing. There, hand, there was handmade uh, children's clothing and I was handmade women's clothing. Cool. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I bet that's such a great experience because it's because um, you sell other than that on- online only, right? I do, yeah. So January of this year, to celebrate 10 years, I reopened my online shop. It had been closed because I was trying to figure out my retail location Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, I was just kind of doing like custom work and I, I do everything myself. So I just don't have the capacity uh, or couldn't figure out how to do an online shop. But January of this year, I was like, this is happening because <laughs> I'm turning 10 years old and I don't want to look back. I want to move forward. So I um, took out some credit and I redid my studio so that it would work for me better. I went to New York and I stocked up on um, fabrics from my favorite places and uh, I launched, I even, I bought photography equipment because I'm just a, it's just all me. I do everything only out of necessity. So I've got my dining room set up with a seamless white backdrop and lights. And so uh, I listed everything online in January and then, you know, COVID hit. And so I had to step away from my retail location, but I had that uh, online shop up and running, which was a huge, I'm so thankful for it worked out really well. Yeah, the timing couldn't have been more perfect on that. I know, and I knew that at the time, even though it was so scary to have all this debt and to not have my retail location, and then even to have to liquidate all that stop and that stock. And then I, I did have a sewist who was helping me for a while, and she had to step away at around the same time. So all of a sudden, I felt like I didn't have a business at all. You know, I didn't have. Yeah, I just felt like I wasn't going to be able to sew fast enough. I wasn't going to be able to come up with new designs. And it just didn't make sense for a long couple of uh, months there in the middle of this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you navigate kind of all those challenges with COVID and this year? Yeah. Well, I also, you know, my daughter was homeschooling too. So I'm trying to figure all this out. My business is crumbling and I'm working on math problems in my (laughs) studio, you know? So it was just this, oh, it was just twisting my brain into a pretzel and my heart was all torn up. And um, I had this opportunity come up to work with a factory in Bangladesh to produce a leather belt bag. I was able to design it. I had, I had thought about it a year previous, but just wasn't able to make it out of fabric. But I was able to design it and then they worked with me on manufacturing it. And the timeline worked out so that that could be kind of the next thing that, that I sold. And so I wouldn't be shouldering the burden of production other mm-hmm. than I'm making interchangeable belts so that you can buy, you get the one leather bag and then you can change out the, the belts to have different styles, like big, funky, cool bows and all this cool stuff. Um, so this, it all lined up right when I needed it. So I was able to move forward with that. It, it is a big um, risk for me just because of the amount of money that you have to do when you move into a factory. And this is the first time mm-hmm. that I've ever moved into a factory, but to have it be so meaningful, to have a to have it be a, a fair trade factory in Bangladesh and to be receiving pictures of these bags as um, women and men are working on them. And I know that they're being paid like a fair wage, like to have that rolled into this bag that is going to be so functional. It goes over the waistband of my skirts. Like it's made to go with my skirts and it's the size of the largest iPhone. Um, and it's, it's made in such a way that when you unzip it, you can get to everything and you can actually leave it unzipped, but nothing's falling out. And it's almost just like a pocket right there for you to, um, be accessing your credit card or your lipstick or your iPhone, but you don't have to be messing with a bag or messing even with 
the zipper or trying to get all that figured out. Um, so it's, it's this really beautiful combination of like the functionality and the simplicity that I want to bring to women as they dress, um, combined with this really meaningful way of manufacturing um, and having a transparent supply chain, which I didn't know was something that I valued, but just over the past 10 years have really, you know, my heart has kind of just broken for um, it's just the fashion industry and the way things are happening. And um, I, I am really, really thankful that I get to be a part of, uh, you know, kind of doing things differently. Yeah, that's, again, like great timing with how it all know. worked out in the middle of all this, because I, I bet I know for so many people and like myself included, the be beginning of this year and like when COVID hit, it's like, what the heck is going to happen this year? <laughs> and, you know, will I still have a business and what, like, what is, what good is going to come out of this? But then like seeing how, like, despite all that has gone on this year, that yeah. there are some like exciting things and like perfect timing of, of things that have happened. Absolutely. I, um, I wasn't able to go on buying trips, like to go get fabric. Um, I usually I usually go to New York and uh, obviously no travel and buying online is really tough for me. But at the same time, um, I was developing this relationship with a woman who lives here uh, in Champaign where I am, but she spent 20 years in Bangladesh and she is a um, textile designer. So she oh, works nice. with a hand weaving community there to produce hand woven textiles. And she just um, at the beginning of this year started selling them wholesale and so started producing them. It was like her first line of of textiles by this community. And so I was able to partner with her right when I didn't have any other fabric. So all of a sudden it was like these really terrible things were happening, but also like this brand new whole section of my business was happening, um, partnering with these makers in, ba in Bangladesh. So it was like this complex sea of emotion, like I'm so happy and sad and really scared. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that how, I feel like every, everything big, like big step forward in life and in business it's kind of those mixed emotions of like okay this is super exciting but also oh this gosh. could be a big failure and I'm, am I like okay with either I know. You know sometimes either one is just as scary like I, big you're success so right. and big failure you're so right um so yeah I'm, I'm curious what keeps you going as an entrepreneur like through all this that's a good question um my mom would tell me when I was she tells me now that when I was growing up I I would never give up so um, whether that be kind of a, a bad relationship <laughs> with, a, with a guy or um, with whatever I was working on that I would just beat my head against the wall. I would, I would hate the process so much, but I would never, ever, ever give up. Sometimes um, in a bad way, like I needed to know when to walk away and I just didn't. But thankfully that is um, because that's my nature. That's how I can approach my business. So I, there are so many days when I leave my studio in tears or I am frustrated beyond like what I can deal with. And I just, you, there was a season this year where I wouldn't go in my studio until my brother and sister-in-law and my husband like took me by the hand and brought me back in here um, because it was so hard and it was so discouraging. Um, so it just happens that I'm geared and wired inside to need to do this. That is the only thing I can explain that every time that I am discouraged, eventually I show back up and I show up even more inspired. And so my business like keeps rolling and it's like a cycle, like I go down and then I come up and I'm able to like be reinvigorated and be um, even more encouraging to women pushing into these like, we have insecurities, let's, not, let's knock them down. Let's not take no for an answer. Let's keep going, not for us, but for our children, for the people who are looking on and let's do it through what we wear and let's find out who we really are and let's fiercely protect that. And let's say no to anything that's discouraging because we recognize it as a lie that tells us like that we're not who we feel and know that we are. So it's mm. like the business is one with my life. And so it's just all growing together. And the fact that it's been 10 years now, so it's been through the season of um, when I was in early motherhood and, and it's been through, you know, I just celebrated 16 years of marriage. So it's just my life and the business have grown up together side by side. So they really are one. Uh, so it's, it's not even how do I find um, it, 
in me to show up every day. It's more like I could never, ever not do this. It's so much a part of me. And it has been for so many years that it's more just like, how do we make it work? Okay. That didn't work. <laughs> okay. That sucked. Okay. Maybe we'll try it this way. And so it's, it's tiny little baby steps that hurt, you know, they're so small some days, but you know, I'm at 7,000 followers three years later. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's, just, other, it's resonating with other people then. Yeah, exactly. Showing up every day, not, not tying my self-worth to the success of the business. And, and in that way, I'm able to be a better uh, encourager of women and fashion designer yeah, and yeah. mother and wife and friend and all of that. So, mm -hmm. and that sometimes that is so hard when, when you're so tied to what you do and it's like your life and your business are are so intertwined to not let your business success or or dips and or failures yep. affect how you feel about yourself yep. personally so how how do you keep that separate in a way where yeah. you don't let it affect your confidence and and who you are yeah it's definitely a process and um one that i do like to live out on social media real time but uh <laughs> i really appreciate the past three years of slow growth, um, specifically on my social media, because I think in that time, I was able to kind of face my fears that like, oh, I'm not going to grow. Oh, that person just grew. That person just grew. That person's business is doing well. I'm in my, you know, my growth is stagnant. And I was able to realize like, if I can't show up now, I'm not going to be able to show up, you know, when the people come. Mm. And that's not to say that I don't treasure like every one of the people who follow me now, but I'm just saying like, if one of my posts gets picked up by the Instagram algorithm and all of a sudden I've got 30,000 new followers, I'm not gonna be able to show up then if I don't show up consistently now. It's not gonna be easier then and my message is not gonna be easier to say. And especially I did recently have a post that for whatever reason got to the explore page and I ended up getting like a hundred new followers. And I, it freaked me out. I was like, oh my gosh, these people don't know me. They don't know my, um, they don't know where I'm coming from. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna misunderstand like my message. They're gonna think I'm just like this cute fashion girl who buys all the right brands. And, and then I had to just take a minute and, and remember like, no, I have honed and developed my message over three years of showing up. So I know exactly what to say. And I'm gonna keep saying the same thing. And it's only because I, I walked through that season of consistently showing up that now I can continue to consistently show up. Yeah, yeah. And I think knowing that message and knowing, you know, where you stand and where your business, like what your business stands on is so important because um, not only, you know, does it create a more consistent like branding experience for your business, but it, I think it helps kind of ground Absolutely. the business for, no, this is really like, this is what like, we're not going to sway to all these other things. Like this is what we're about. And, and it'll attract the people that align with that. And, and it, yeah, it'll push away some people, but those aren't the people who um, are right, the right customers for your brand anyway. So I think that's yeah. really important and, and great that you know that and you know what that is. And yeah. you're like, this is where I stand. It, you know, you're so right. You said it grounds you. And I think like, it's, it's almost like if you're a tree, you're building your roots, you know, so nobody mm -hmm. can see it, but it is good, good work that you're doing. Um, and then eventually you start growing your leaves. So yeah, uh, yeah, it does just give you really solid footing. So do you, were you able to cr create that solid message just by showing up every day and tweaking it and refining it and thinking through it and practicing it or were you more strategic about like, I'm going to sit down and decide what my business is and what I stand yeah. for? Yeah. No, I never have been able to sit down and write a business plan. And it, it does cause, it has in the past caused me a lot of um, doubt because that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. But um, I just feel like it's in me, but I, in order to get it out, I just have to like kind of slowly ease it out or something. So every day I I just write um, an Instagram post and every day I just do a little bit of work and I've seen like the trajectory even over um, really the past four years of um, my why and my what really being defined. Um, 
And it's, it's been a really beautiful process to watch it because it's almost like it was there all along, but I, I was chipping it out of the marble and now it, it like exists in, it was always in my heart. It was always been being woven like into my life by um, different life experiences, my experience in New York, uh, even my experiences in high school, like not having enough money to shop brand, brand names. So going to Goodwill and just putting together what worked, all of that has kind of been woven together to form my business now, but it did take the, the showing up every day and just chipping away the marble in however I could figure to get it off, <laughs> whatever my method was, whatever I was selling, just the fact that I would consistently try is really what brought form to my business and to my message. Practice makes perfect, I guess. Yeah, it is practice for sure. And just the humility to realize like, oh, I'm not that good. You know, like I think when I first showed up to New York, I, I, I got an interview with Project Runway and they, they rushed me through the process and brought me in to meet Tim Gunn because they liked me. I didn't make it on the show. And I thought, oh my goodness, like they're, they're lost. And, and now um, all these years later, I'm like, well, they chose correctly. And also if I had made it on the show, I wouldn't have won. I just wasn't good enough, you know? So there is like humility to be found. Like it's not to say that I'm a bad designer. It's just to say like, no, I need to practice. Uh, I just I just needed years of like pattern making and sewing. On well, Project Runway too, I think it's a is a special case in that it's not always how the real industry works. Yeah, and no, you're like sure. so much. I mean, not to say that the industry isn't under pressure, but like to be able to develop a style and patterns and create it that quickly. Right. Um, I don't is think unusual. I could do that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the new, have you watched the cut, the new show? Uh, the Amazon one? Yeah, the Amazon yeah, one. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I think I watched that, did it come out the beginning of this year? It, it seems like forever ago, but I did it watch it. It does seem yes. like forever ago, but I did like that they were bringing in sewists to work through the mm-hmm. night, so, and they could use patterns and just manipulate them, so pat, they were patterns mm-hmm. they were had already made, I thought, and tech you know, this is, this is better, this makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I liked how they even had them make tech packs for the their sewers and um talked a little bit more about like the commercial side of not just making a beautiful garment but like what does it take to to make a business with in fashion because you really straddle both like you've been a long time sewist and then you also are doing freelance pattern making right Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I mean yeah I grew up sewing so I've been sewing over 20 years and you know make a lot of clothes and then yeah my my primary job is I contract with different brands to help them with their pattern making and development with all the all the technical stuff that designers normally don't like doing yeah Um, but I really love that part so that's cool I love that but yeah I I enjoyed the show it's a little bit more how the industry actually works I know or a slightly different like, angle on it yeah instead of just you only have 10 minutes in popsicle sticks that's I mean yeah um so I also wanted to touch on something interesting that I saw on your social media which was you just did a weather appropriate footwear week which I love <laughs> because I'm always like I can't wear these cute flats in the winter because my ankles are gonna freeze. I know it's the fashion so. myth no person yeah. is shown in a cute fashion ad in weather appropriate footwear. They're shown in like their adorable little shoes. And then we're mm-hmm. stuck trying to figure out over here how to. Yeah. I need, I need something that'll cover my fluffy wool socks that are like yeah. fancy Argyle patterns. Cause they're fun, but then yeah. they don't necessarily match my outfit. So yeah, exactly. Well, I just, um, I came up with that idea as a way of, cause I, I always love doing fashion tips and I really after living in New York, because it is, you walk everywhere. And I had my daughter uh, until she was four in New York. So I was pushing a stroller everywhere and it didn't matter if it was raining, like your groceries, you still had to go get them. So Mm -hmm. all of a sudden clothing needed to be functional in a way that it never needed to be before. And I found such joy in wearing rain boots and not caring what I walked through because then I could all of a sudden notice that my daughter actually loves the rain because she stomps through the puddles and they splash everywhere. And I thought, when did I grow up and become a curmudgeon that can't go splash in a rain puddle? So now I have, you know, my knee high hunter boots. And when it rains, Olive and I put on our coats and we go out there and we splash in puddles. And it's like, it brings joy back to your life when you're dressing appropriately for your 
for your day and for the weather. And then that's just like an extraneous example, but, but everybody goes to the grocery store on a rainy day or has to go run errands on a rainy day. So when you're mm-hmm. wearing warm or waterproof footwear, all of a sudden it's just not an issue. Like you're not even thinking about, oh, it's raining and I'm in a bad mood. Like you mm-hmm. get dressed and you enjoy it and you enjoy the day. And there's, what's that quote? That's there's no bad weather. There's only inappropriate like clothing or something like that. And I, I resonate I with that. that like, like get a warm coat, get your gloves, like so that you can continue being outside and continuing being active. And right now during COVID, it's really important. Like we're, the summer has been great because we've all been able to be outside. Now the winter's coming. Well, what if we stayed outside? Like what if mm-hmm. you had, in New York, I had snow pants. <laughs> and when it was- I still have some hanging in my yeah. closet from high school. Yeah. yeah. When it was nine degrees, I would just put them on and then we'd still go to the park. Like, or we still at least walk, um, take walks and go, uh, go visit whatever store because it was so good to be out in the fresh air. And mm-hmm. once you're dressed warmly enough, it, it becomes enjoyable and not a chore. Yeah. So how do you style boots with your skirt? Cause I feel like that's always the challenge is like, how do you wear like an, a, you know, not when it's not like a cute flat or a heel right. with a skirt and make it look like a, like a, an outfit that was intentional that way. Right. Instead of a bag lady. Yeah. Um, I, I, a lot of times, so my hemlines, the easiest way is for your hemlines to go up. So go for mini skirts or anything above the knee, because then you have a longer leg. So then it, that balances a chunkier shoe. So, um, I really like, I, I wear actually shorter hemlines in the winter because with leggings or opaque tights, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have just like your bare leg. So then your hemline can be a little shorter, which a lot of times proportionally looks better on you, but you just can't do it in the summer. But in the mm-hmm. winter, you can, you can wear tiny little mini skirts or mini dresses with uh, your leggings or your tights. And then it doesn't matter how big your boot is. It just makes sense with the rest of you because you're long and lean. Um, and it's, you've got so much of your leg showing that you can wear a full-size hunter boot or a, a puffy winter boot or a um, like a Doc Martin or something like that that's chunky and it, it balances out proportionally. Yeah, that's, that's a great tip about the hemlines shorter to balance it. Um, I've never like put my finger on that of like, that's why it works. Yeah, I, I hadn't either until I was making my skirts. And I, I think it was because I made one of my samples too short <laughs> for summer. And I would try to wear it, but I like I wasn't really that comfortable. But then the second fall came and I stuck le- leggings under it. I was like, oh, this is so cute. Like all of a sudden that hemline that I wanted, like that really short, cute, fluffy, cinched in at the waist, long leg look that I was going for is possible because of leggings. So <laughs> now I'm just all aboard the like short, short in the hemlines, put the leggings on. Then you can get like knee high, fluffy wool socks. You can be so warm and cuddly and still look really cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that. Awesome. So another thing that I saw on your social media, and I, I love reading your posts. I feel like oh, it's about you. like more than more than just fashion. So yeah, for um, sure. like something like something to ponder every day um, is a while back, you talked about zero waste fashion, but also zero waste lives. So can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Oh my gosh, that was such a beautiful couple of weeks. I so I've been using this Bangladesh fabric and I wanted to go the extra mile. Like it's already hand woven out of recycled fabrics. Like what if we could make a skirt that uses all the scraps? And I did, and it's adorable. It's got these little puff balls all over it that are made with the excess fabric after you cut the skirt out. And so I thought, well, to promote it, I'm gonna do zero waste week, but because I always wanna make it more than just fashion, let's talk about like how our, way, our lives can be zero waste. And so I'm making the skirts and then every day as I'm, whatever process I'm in, whatever part of the process I'm in, I just talk about that uh, in our lives. So I just start talking about like the literal, like it was gonna go in the garbage can, what I'm now putting on the skirt and making beautiful. So what in our lives do we, like especially the difficult part of our lives, like we so often just sweep it under the rug instead of really celebrating 
that that failures unfor I mean, just unfortunately, but it's true. Like failures are what make the success beautiful, mm-hmm. and it's really what makes it so sweet. And so it was. You know, one day I remember I was uh, I just had a a bunch of skirts to get done, and so I did a, a time lapse where I was putting all these puffs on, and I just said like living a zero waste life or a life that that you really make use of every moment, even the bad ones is hard work. It is easier to embrace the good and forget or ignore the bad. But I think the fruit of really leaning in and trying to glean every, uh, every good thing from bad experiences produces like this depth of flavor in your life that if you stick with the hard, hard work, like it, it, it produces really good fruit. So the more I wrote kind of the more that came and it was by the end of the week, I had washed and dried the skirts um and the last process is when you dry them these puff balls like puff up into mm, like uh, pom-poms and so Mm -hmm. I had the lint trap of the dryer and it was full of lint and so I'm at the end of zero waste week I've talked about like use every scrap and I'm looking at this lint trap and it was right at the same time that I had this like really tough um personal situation going on in which I really had made some missteps and I was really upset with myself and it was so beautiful to be able to take the lint and just throw it in the trash. And I, I wrote it on um, my last post. I was like, guys, we make mistakes. And when we do, part of living a zero waste life is being strong enough to move past our mistakes and to literally throw them in the trash can. Do not let them define us. I messed up, but my, my mistakes don't define me. And that, that, you know, that's all about building confidence, like just ripping through the lies that we believe about ourselves in order to become a stronger person in order to be able to move forward. Yeah, yeah, that's really powerful. And it sounds like you've really been able to do that, like take the bad of this year and turn it um, and, and not waste it and, and bring about some really exciting things in your life and business. Yeah, I'm definitely never able to talk about the bad stuff until it's kind of resolved itself a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I couldn't talk to you today about my year two months ago. Cause I was just, you know, that was when I wouldn't even come into my studio, but as soon as like things clear up a little bit, or as soon as I persevere at least a little bit into the next thing, I'm able to reflect back and, and then really write something that resonates with so many other women. And that's so like, so good for me. That's just what I want to be doing. Like I will, I will persevere every day through so much discouragement if it means that on the other side, I get to turn and encourage other women and then we can go together towards, you know, whatever's ahead for us. Yeah, it really facilitates like the connection because everybody's going through something. and Everybody's and, like, going through something. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, yeah. And this year with all the, the mamas who are leaving their jobs to stay at home with their kids mm-hmm. and um, just all of the schedules that are upside down, like I just empathize with women right now because they're being told a lot of things about themselves and they have the choice of what to believe right now. Like, do my dreams matter if I can't work on them right now? Am I making progress towards whatever I was trying to do if I'm, um, you know, cooking a lot more, staying at home a lot more, you know, all of this stuff, like, and questions about our parenting, like my kids are with me all the time. And so now I'm seeing like, am I a good mom? You know, am I doing things correctly? So there's just a lot of opportunity for doubt right now and so I, I find my job is super important this year because it's really important on day 375 of uh quarantining to get dressed <laughs> it's really important like it's really important that we stop wearing the things that make us feel like we want to sit on the couch all day because then we're going to sit on the couch all day and it's getting easier and easier to do that you know mm-hmm. So, um, you know, what we wear is, is a way of preparing for battle, really. And, and that's what our day is, just it's battle sometimes. In college, I, if I ever, like, was kind of feeling under the weather or whatever, I would dress up more just to be yeah. like, no, totally. like, I, I, I got to make up for what I'm not feeling it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think this year is definitely going to change how we dress and, and make it I think more comfortable and more multifunctional. Yeah. Um, and I, I think your, your shirts really do that. I mean, it can be summer, winter, wear them with your boots, wear them with the cute yeah. heels. And um, cause yeah, when we're going between business conference calls and teaching the kids and running errands and you don't want to have to change clothes <laughs> for each of those activities, you need something yeah. that 
really it's it's less segmented i guess our lives they're all kind of like one big jumble of everything happens every day yeah no definitely and i um like like i said today i'm wearing one of my elastic waist skirts but i'm wearing this big chunky belt over it so it's super cute and it's not uncomfortable right now but by the time i get to 5 30 having worked an entire day and i'm about to start making dinner i just take the belt off and all of a sudden there is no difference between my elastic waist skirt and a pair of sweatpants. Like they feel mm-hmm. the same, like comfortable, mm-hmm. washable. And I just then can transition into my next whole day, which is spending time with my daughter and my family and making dinner and all that. Mm-hmm. So if we're able to equip ourselves like smart, if we're able to dress smart, then we're going to give ourselves more energy and more in the tank to get done the things that are super important to us. Like I want to be able to show up um, to the dinner table, not like absolutely falling apart because I'm so exhausted. I want to be able to have conversations with my family and be totally in them and not not just so exhausted and so uncomfortable. And um, so I think the way that we can dress is a powerful and un, um, uh, untapped resource. Yeah, I totally agree. So I have one more question that I ask everybody at the end of the interview, which is, if you could communicate one value to the world through your clothes, what would it be? I think the beautiful thing about getting dressed every day is the metaphor it is for our lives and that our lives are not made up of single events, but are made up of the mundane. You know, my memories with my daughter are not of her birthday and um, of just like her first day of school, but they are of the time we made cookies that we weren't planning on it, of the time we sat down and colored with crayons, of the time we worked on our science fair and we had to work really hard because she had had the flu for the week before. You know, those, like if we can understand that those are the moments that our lives are made of, then I think that we will treat them with respect. And I think a way of doing that is by getting dressed for your life. And that that's what I want my clothes to be, a way for women to shed their insecurities because we do not have time for insecurities. Like we have to show up to our lives because we get one. You know, my daughter is nine now. She will never be eight. She will never be seven. <laughs> um, so I'm just really thankful that I could show up for those moments. And I want to equip myself and equip other women to keep being able to show up, keep being able to get rid of those distractions of self-doubt and um, and really lean in and enjoy the things that they have very intentionally, the decisions they've made for their lives that are so intentional, you know, all the the, the career that they have and the relationships they, that they have. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. This has been such an amazing conversation and very inspiring. Um, but I want to know where can people find more about you and Mrs. Emily online? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It really has been so fun. Um, Mrs. Emily.com M R S E M I L Y.com. So Mrs. Emily without the period. And that is a website that my husband gave to me when I was in college, he gave it to me with a scanner and, um, so that I could do my fashion sketches and start a blog. And so I've just always had that domain name. And then because my business is 10 years old, I have um, Mrs. Emily on Instagram and Facebook. So it's very easy in some ways to find me I because I've been around a long time building a very tiny and slow moving business. (laughs) But um, so Mrs. Emily on Instagram and Facebook and MrsEmily.com. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, Allison. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.